Well, good morning, everyone. This is session two of the spectacular, the divine, through in the exhilarating. I got that one off, Becky. The exhilarating God, the Holy Spirit, because he is, isn't he? Isn't he spectacular? I mean, last week we saw the seven splendors. We're going to go through some of those. I could have probably come up with 49, 500 splendors. I just came up with seven that seemed to, I seem to be led into, ones that I'd thought about a lot. He's definitely divine. He is God himself, and he's exhilarating. It sort of has that idea of like being lifted up, like lifted up beyond yourself, both internally and physically. And I want to talk a little bit later. I would add another adjective. And if I forget to bring this out, please remind me maybe in the Q&A later, the earthiness of the Holy Spirit. Now, don't start throwing tomatoes at me thinking that I'm getting all kind of, I don't know, blasphemous. But think about that. And, I'll, and I'll, I'll explain why I think there is this earthiness about the Holy Spirit later when I get to the part about depending on God. So today we're up to session two, seven responsibilities. I'm not going to preach for that long. I want to try and stick to about 30 minutes. I then want to invite the elders out. We're going to have an interview Q&A type, which you guys can also ask questions. And then we're going to break into smaller groups to pray about what we've heard, because there's no point just listening. This is all about doing as well. This is all about seeking, asking, knocking to go deeper. And that's what the real question is. Do you want to go deeper? Uh, do you want to trust more deeply? Do you want to love more deeply? Do you want to hope more deeply? Do you want your people, your people around you, the people that you know, the people in your workplace to trust, hope, love more deeply? And you know what? I'm not actually talking about going to some monastery. You know, when we drive down here, we see the old uh, monastery there near Marburg or wherever it is. Look, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in your day-to-day -day lives, you know, with ratty kids, distracting kids if you're in the family situation, with some of the challenges that you singlies have. I'm talking about in those situations, in, in work, school, driving, eating. I'm talking about loving, trusting, hoping more deeply through God and in God's spirit. I'm talking about that. I really think that is what God wants us to do on this camp is to go more deep, is to go more deep, go deeper. Don't just dabble, dive in. And you know what? I think he's going to be calling you to that your whole lives, just like Tim put so well in that song, immeasurably more. Just when you think you've gone deep, there's another ocean to explore of God's goodness, of God's grace, of God's might, of God's power. And so... When we talk about going deeper with God, we're, we're talking about going deeper with God the Spirit. And when we talk about going deeper with the spectacular, divine, exhilarating God the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the one who has these splendors. And last week, remember, we talked about life. He brings life. Like right now, you are being sustained by him. Those trees I can see out the back there, the sky, the beautiful rain that swept through yesterday. That is all his sustaining power, and he lives with you. That's him. The same way in that Chris Tomlin song, you know, whispering you to you in the deep of night. Like, I don't know if you've ever experienced that. I've experienced that. Like, I kind of teared up a bit when I read that, because I've experienced that. When you're just feeling really down or dead inside or just lonely or scared, there's this voice that comes, and it's like, it's powerful. And yet that is 
the same voice of the cosmos. That is, that is spectacular. That is divine. That's exhilarating. Uh, Splendour too. Maybe I should be asking you guys to see how well you remember God's presence with us. Like presencing. So you know how oftentimes you just, you can clo- I can close my eyes right now and I know you're there. I can't see you. And if I block my ears up, I still know you're there. And I don't know, that kind of feeling, that, that presence that we have as God's people, I find that to be spectacular. But I also find it to be spectacular and exhilarating that he would presence himself in a non-personal way with everyone in a sense, like keeping them alive. Not, you know, like if God's presence was taken away completely or God's power is taken away completely, the whole earth just breaks down into its molecular quantum parts and it's done. That to me is spectacular. And he is with us. It is that person, that divine Holy Spirit that's with us. Anyone remember what Splendor 3 was? Yep. Power. Power. The power of the Holy Spirit. And we think about the way the sun is sustained. It is thermonuclear. The cosmos, super powerful, and yet also intimate. Not not like a, a thermonuclear explosion, but all that energy constrained into love. Love that sustains the sun when he goes to the cross. That's amazing. Think about that. Think about us men, you know, like in the way that we look after or hopefully try to look after our wives. It's power that's it's there, but it's constrained. It's tender, hopefully, when it's at its best. Power. I love that idea of power. Splendor number four. Does anyone remember splendor number four? So we've got life, presence, power. Light. Prophetic light. So the understanding of how things really are in our lives, of our need for him, of others' needs for God, what, what's really going on. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. So with you right now is this being that is in charge of life, presence, power, prophetic light. And then we find out, splendor number five, that that being actually empowered the Son, as in empowered Jesus. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, we're told, in Luke 11. We're told that the Spirit came upon him at his baptism, and from then on he operated in the gifts and in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. If you ever want to know what it looks like for someone to be completely full of the Holy Spirit all the time, go and read the Gospels. In fact, maybe that would be a good bit of homework after camp. Go and read the Gospels. And just with that kind of framework, I want to see someone who's full of the Holy Spirit. And you'll see it there. It's incredible, really. Splendor number six, it's that power, that Holy Spirit power, that Holy Spirit presence, that Holy Spirit life that raises the sun. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Splendor number uh, six was raising the sun, resurrecting the sun, and then resurrecting us. And finally, what I found to be particularly specky was this idea of God who could have come to us and stirred up a spirit of, you are sovereign, you are king, you are mighty, you are prophet, you are priest. Instead, he stirs up this spirit of Abba Father. He is all those things. God is all those things, but he stirs up this thing of, of this, this spirit of Abba Father and that means we're family 
That means we're family. That's why good, good father, like we can sing that as though we are sons and daughters of the king because we really are. So they were the seven splendors. Life, presence, power, prophetic light, father, son, spirit, God himself in-house with us. That's amazing. It's the spirit of the son, the spirit of the father with us. And so I just wanted to ask this question, um, why do we have rubbish weeks then? You know, it's fine to talk about the splendours of the Holy Spirit and I would stand by every one of those and a whole heap more. But why do we have such rubbish weeks? Why do we have such weeks of just banality, like just, I don't know, just normal kind of stuff? Why do we have such rubbish weeks? Now, there are many reasons, but I just wanted to start off with what might be a reason. And I wanted to draw our attention to Romans 8 and I might get you to turn there very quickly Romans 8, verse 7. Now, I don't want to say we, say we have rubbish weeks because of these things that I'm about to go through, but I do because it could be that you're having a Job week that you don't know. Uh, it could just be that God has some trial for you because he's more interested in, in building you up and sanctifying you, making you more loving, more dependent, more enduring. And so he gives you a bit of a trial. There could be all those reasons. But we need to understand that when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we have an obligation. Just like Adam and Eve, they were given everything. They were given planet Earth. They were given the garden. They were given the presence of God walking through the garden in the evening. And they had a responsibility to look after the garden, to rule over the earth. So too, when we are given a great gift, God, who has, Amago Dei, has put his image on us, gives us the opportunity to respond, to to be response-able. And when we are given the Spirit, we are also given these obligations or these responsibilities. So I'm just going to read from Romans 8, 7. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. If your mind has in charge a prime minister called the flesh, you can never, ever, ever please God. Do you understand? And what's bad about that is the prime minister called the flesh will say to you, no, no, yes, you can. Just keep doing this good stuff and you're not as bad as that person over there and you're a bit better than that person. Saying all that kind of stuff, all those kinds of rationalizations. Here is truth. Here is prophetic light, my brothers and sisters. You will never please God in the flesh. If he is your prime minister, the flesh, yourself, you will never please God. Here's the next bit though. You, verse 9, however, are not in the realm of the flesh. You are not in under the... Um, ministerial powers of the flesh you are in the realm of the spirit you are in the ministerial realm of the holy spirit if indeed the spirit of god lives in you if you don't have the spirit of christ you don't belong to christ but if christ is in you then even though your body is subject to death because of sin the spirit gives life because of righteousness and if the spirit of him who raised jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Now listen to this, verse 12. Therefore, you've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. You've been given the gift of God himself. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, we have a responsibility. It's not to the flesh 
to live according to that. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Do you understand? You will fester in the flesh. You can either shine in the spirit or fester in the flesh. I'm going to say that again. You can either fester in the flesh or shine in the spirit. You go out of here today, someone does something that annoys you, you can fester in the flesh. You can let that grow into some bitter root or whatever. Or you can go, Holy Spirit, I really need your power. I need your love. You can shine in the spirit. This is the magnificence of living with the eternal being called God the Holy Spirit. It is so earthy because it's just right down there in terms of power for just those, what things we would consider to be not even that great. Or your wife, she, she's annoying, or your husband's not doing what he's supposed to do. You can fester in the flesh. You can get all angry about that. Allow the flesh to have its way. Or you can submit to the Holy Spirit and go, Oh, Father, oh, God, my brother, the Lord Jesus, I need your power now. We could talk lots more about that in the future. Verse 12, though, says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation Obligation simply means a responsibility. It's something that we're bound to. It's something that God has said, as I give you this gift, here is your responsibilities. As I give you myself. And I just want you to know that why are we about to go through these? We're just going to go through two or three today. Uh, and then, sorry, now, and then two or three this afternoon. But, but why? Why am I telling you this? Because it is quite possible we have not fulfilled our responsibilities as a church, as individuals, when it comes to the spectacular, the divine, the exhilarating God, the Holy Spirit. It could quite be, it is quite possible that we, uh, we don't even think there is such a thing. We're just kind of sitting there and we're waiting for this kind of spirit lightning bolt thing to hit us. Our hearts are going to somehow be changed and we're just going to want to do all these things. Paul himself speaks about the battle that he has in Romans 7, just previous to this. Back and forth, back and forth. It's not going to happen, my brothers and sisters. It's, it's, it's actually, I think, one of the greatest myths of modern Christianity. Just wait for the path of least resistance and then it's all going to happen for us. No, we are people. God has called us to be his people. He has called us to fulfill our responsibilities in this way. And you know what? What's funny, it's kind of like this circle, is whatever responsibilities we're fulfilling, we're doing it in his power anyway. So who gets the thanks and praise for that? He does. But the reason I'm talking about all this is Paul's prayer. And I, I want to pray this for you now. I'm going to pray. I haven't memorized. Every time I try to memorize it, my mind goes off for some reason. But um, So I'm just going to read it. But I'm going to read. Actually, I'm going to. This is what I'm going to do. Because <clears throat> I get tired in church of songs that say we're going to dance or we're going to kneel or we're going to blah, blah, blah. And we don't. So I'm reading Paul's prayer and I'm praying it for you before I go into the rest of the responsibilities. And why don't you open to it if you like, Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3, verse 14 to 19. You know, Paul was such an awesome dude. He loved the church. He loved God's saints. They loved him. And this is the prayer that he had for them in Ephesians. You're there, Ephesians 3, 14 to 9. If you're at 14, you probably know what I'm about to do next. All right, here we go. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth, from whom Willowburn derives its name. We are Willowburn Church. We are Willowburn 
a bunch of Christians following Jesus. We are Christ ones. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. Woo, amen. You know, that's... I've been thinking a lot about that this week. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for me. That's what I want for my family. That's what I want for my church family. That we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And so I have a responsibility to point out to you the seven beautiful responsibilities that we have to God the Holy Spirit. And again, you could break these down in any way you probably wanted. You could probably come up with more. These I've just sort of grouped together. What we're going to do as well, I put a little chart up there. Anyone notice what that peak is? So when we talk about mentions of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, we see this massive peak in Acts, something like 90 mentions nearly. And so what I wanted to do is, as I go through this, I'm just going to point out the responsibilities. I'm going to throw it out to you and go, can you please help me with your biblical knowledge and tell me whether you see this in the church, the early church, the early Christian church in the book of Acts. Does that sound cool? So you have to put on your thinking hats a little bit. The first thing, guys, the first thing, my brothers and sisters, is that we have a responsibility to come to him. So he has reached out to us. He has died for us. He has given us his Holy Spirit. And Jesus himself, remember we've just been through John, this is what Jesus himself said at the festival, the festival where um, it was possible that he could have been killed. He went there anyway. And he says, on the la- he, says on, he stands up on the last and greatest day of the festival and he says in a loud voice, the NIV always tends to, I don't know, westernize or modernize it. He screamed this out. He yelled it out. He didn't just go in a loud voice. He yelled it out. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within me. Everyone's listening now. (laughs) This is Adrian's voice. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me. That is the first responsibility. Let me ask you something. Does your day-to-day lives make you spiritually thirsty? Yeah, absolutely. The boredom of work for Ben. <laughs> he was nodding. Like we talked, no, you, you're happy for me to share that. Like the challenges of motherhood, the challenges of fatherhood, they make us thirsty. Well, what do we do with our thirst, my brothers and sisters? What do we do? Do we go to our gaming console because you need a bit of me time? Do we go and complain to our wives or partners? Do we go for a little me walk just off by myself? We do, don't we? We do all those things. I do all those things. But we have a responsibility when we feel thirsty to come to him. Now, I know Jesus here was probably talking about that big first, big first, thirst. Okay? 
the big thirst where we realize we need a savior. And I tell you what, all our, our, our mates and stuff out there, the people that we love and that we want to serve, man, they, they're going to get thirstier and thirstier and thirst. doesn't matter about all the BCF ads, right? That stuff is going to die out and it's, they, they're not going to be able to keep on enjoying because their bodies are going to get old and wear out. They're going to get thirsty and hungry. This is the blessing of the curse, the curse that makes us get older. It makes us realize that we are in need. And it makes us thirsty so that we might go, oh, I need you. And I just want you to understand, like this week, even this, look, I, I shouldn't even really be here. Yesterday, oh, I was very sick and my bed looked so inviting and I was thinking about the camp beds down here and I was thinking about everything else. And I was like, oh. But I, I was actually, it was interesting because I was preparing for this Tim had sent through the songs and for some reason I decided to listen to them on iTunes. And oh man, I just felt like this power come upon me and I knew that I was coming. And I had a little bit of help from my family as well. <laughs> a little bit, of, but man, I was sick. I didn't, I didn't want to come. I was thirsty and I came to the Lord and I said, I need your power and it came. And I, I made a comment to my mum who was praying for me, from the flesh outwards, it's all crap but everything else is good. And that's literally how I felt. I felt from my whole body, it was just, yeah. Anyway, so we have a responsibility to come to him, my brothers and sisters. We have a responsibility when we are thirsty to come to him. And, you know, Acts 2, Peter, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. Repent, be baptized. Jesus himself said, ask, seek, knock. How much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I see that as happening as day to day, moment to moment. So do we see that in the early church? Help me out. Can you give me some examples? Yes. No, no, but I want specifics. I know that. Give me some specifics. I was, I was thinking of the 3,000 that come straight away, that first thirst. Yep. But also you see... Then when it's time for the, the widows, for example, the widows, the Grecian widows are complaining and that could have actually been a very difficult time for the church because it would have been, well, who are you to kind of keep preaching the word and then how hypocritical when all these people here are suffering and not getting the food that they need. What do they do? They pray and they select seven deacons or seven um, ministers or seven servants all filled with the Holy Spirit. They could have gone and you know had a big forum or whatever instead. No, we're thirsty, we have a need, we're coming to God. And you'll see that all the way through Acts. Stephen. Stephen, yep. Yeah, Stephen, you know, far out at the end of your life. And actually, we're going to do a sermon on Stephen, looking at what a spirit-filled man looks like when he's under pressure. Because it's easy to look at a spirit-filled man when he's raising his hands at church. But when you're about to be stoned, whew, we're going to do a whole sermon on that one because I just want to show you the power of the Holy Spirit when people are under pressure. But Cornelius, yes. He was seeking, he was coming to God and, and, and God sends Peter to Cornelius' house. One of the first non-Jewish converts. And again, that then brings out Acts 15, which is, oh, well, all the Gentiles, all the non-Jewish Christians, they should be getting um, circumcised and following the whole law. And again, that could have caused a lot of issues, but they all come to the Lord, they say, we need your help. And at the end of Acts 15, it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit to send to you, and off they went. Brothers and sisters, we have a responsibility to live by him. 
I want you to imagine you are underwater right now. This room fills with water and there's a little panel over here. We do this kind of thing, uh, it's called helicopter underwater escape training. You're in this little capsule and you have to get out, it spins upside down, sometimes exits are blocked. I want you to imagine this room fills with water, you can't breathe. What will you live by? You will live by the oxygen at the top. You will, you will swim, you will get to the panel, you will open it up, you'll get out. That's what you live by. I just want you to imagine the need that you, you can all, you're all tracking with me, aren't you? That need, that's the same spiritual need. That's, that's the same um, reality, the same spiritual reality that we have here, to live by him. Otherwise, we will just fester in the flesh, as it says there in Galatians 5, 16. I say, live by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So what does that mean? to live by the Spirit. What does it mean to live by Him in the earthiness of everyday life? At its very basic, it is to depend on Him. And this is why I want to say to you, the Holy Spirit is incredibly earthy. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that He is dirty or anything like that. I'm saying that He is incredibly practical. So imagine now Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. There's, some, there's going to be some sort of dimensional rupturing event. He is leaving earth and you've got um, these angels that come to the men and the men are waiting. They're just sitting out on the mountain having a good religious experience. They've just seen Jesus ascend. They're just still in the afterglow of the resurrection. And what, does, what do the angels say to them? Do they say, stay here and keep having your nice, airy-fairy religious experience? No. What do they say? They say, go back into the city. <laughs> now, you would not think that would be the place to meet the Holy Spirit. You, well, who here goes into the, the deepest, dankest part of the city to meet the Holy Spirit? Like, say you want to have a bit of God time, and I'm being serious here. Where do you go normally? You go to a mountain, or you go out in the bush. Barb goes for a walk. Andrew goes for a walk in his plantation. The beach, yeah, you go somewhere quiet. And I'm not downplaying that. We need those times. Jesus himself did that. But isn't it interesting that when the Holy Spirit's going to come at Pentecost, it's in the center of the city. It's in a room. It's in the practicalities of life. So when we are told to live by the Spirit, are you going to struggle with your sinful nature while you're walking along a nice forest path? Yes, you potentially could. On the beach, yes, you could. Are you going to struggle with the peer group pressure? Yes, you are. Are you going to struggle as you drive your car? Yes, you are. Are you going to need to live by him every moment of every day? Yes, you are. At its very basic, to live by the Spirit is a responsibility to depend on him. And this must be a conscious thing in our minds. As we relate to our, our wives, our husbands, our friends, people that aren't on this journey of faith necessarily, like, we so need to live by the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 also says, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. There's this idea of having the power of the Spirit. What is the one thing we do for that? What is the one practical thing? I just want to tie all this together and to say that we have a responsibility to live by Him, which is a responsibility to depend on Him, which is a responsibility to pray in Him. So hyphens are good because you can actually connect everything and if I was to connect this, it would be, we have a responsibility to live, hyphen, depend, hyphen, pray in him. 
This is why I believe uh, a few significant times in the Bible it says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Pray continuously. I don't know, have you ever found those kind of verses hard? It's like what? Pray all the time, blah, 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 blah. It actually means to be praying at every turn of life. So right now, you know, like for me, I'm still feeling a bit crook. It's Lord, can you help me keep going? For you guys, there might be distractions or, you know, whatever. Like, Lord, can you help me to keep listening? It's just those basic pray, depend, live by spiritual prayers. It is so earthy. You thought I was going to start talking about prophecy and all that. That, that might come later. You know, like, but even that, guys, was just when they got together generally. I'm talking about supernatural love that they had, supernatural power. The X factor was the Holy Spirit. We have a responsibility to pray in Him, to depend on Him. We have a responsibility to live by Him. And, you know, we could, you could go through account after account after account where you see this happening, them praying, depending, living, by the Holy Spirit. Even their very church services didn't have carefully orchestrated, planned out programs or instrumentation. Just a bunch of people came together and they prayed, depended, lived by the Spirit. As they went about their business, they prayed, lived on, depended by the Spirit. I think of 